Internets, this episode is brought to you by the good folks at Bevel. Let me tell you something. Shouts to Tristan Walker. Shouts to the whole team. Shouts to Eric Roma. Bevel has been around doing their thing for a long time. Target, Amazon, getbevel.com forward slash Pete. They have some of the best grooming products on the game. In the game. I keep on saying on the game, but it's in the game. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. Their bevel trimmer. I just got a bevel trimmer. Let me tell you something, King. That bevel trimmer is every barber should be using a bevel trimmer. First of all, it's cordless. Second of all, it's sleek. It's sexy. And look, if you know, like, if you got, like, your man or, or, or a friend or a cousin or, or whoever the significant other, buy them a bevel product. They got razors. They got shaving cream. They got lotions. And they got the trimmer, okay? Nas already said. He said it's the, it's the signature fade with the bevel blade. Internet, so let me tell you something. Go to getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Save 10, 15, I think 15% actually, okay? Let me tell you one more time. Go to getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Save 15%. You, people ask me, oh, Pete, how can I support you? You know, I love all the content you put on all these years. Okay, well, love is love. But go to getbevel.com forward slash Pete. And check out Bevel. Cheer. Internets, I told you before and I'm going to tell you again, okay? I want to put you on to something very, very special going down November 23rd and 24th at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. Sopranos Con. If you ever fuck with Sopranos, the legendary TV show. Iconic, man. It's just recently about to almost celebrate their 21st anniversary. And we got, okay? I'm a part of Sopranos Con. That's right. Shouts to the team. We got over 40 cast members, okay? You want me to, now, people may say, who do you have there? Well, first off, I'll start. You know the horse, Piomai? Oh, yeah. That horse will be there. <laughs> you better get ready for a picture. We got Uncle Junior. We got Paulie Walnuts, Furio, Big Pussy, Johnny Sack, Richie Aprio, Jackie Jr., the, the, the mob uh, from Italy, the mob woman boss. Then we got Catherine Narduccio. Um, listen, internets. There's going to be so many panels. There's going to be so many trivia games. There's going to be so many giveaways. And even the Escalade that, that, that Tony drove, that'll be there. Even when a Silvio Apache got shot up in, that'll be there. Internets, I told you before and I'll tell you again. Sopranos Con is going down November 23rd and 24th in New Jersey at the Meadowlands. I want you to go grab your tickets, SopranosCon.com, find out more info, Meet me there, okay? It's going to be a special legendary two days, November 23rd and 24th, SopranosCon.com for more info. Cheer! Microphone checker. Before we get to this week's episode of the Premium Pete Show, man, shouts to everybody who checked out last week's episode with the El Jefe, okay? The boss, the capo of Cinematic Music Group, man. The one and only Johnny Shipes. What I really liked about the Johnny Shipes episode is that he doesn't really talk a lot. And he's not really into the whole executive music game. I love his story. I love a story that shows people who uh, create a big come come up, you know, who sign people and, and find artists and, you know, interning for Puff and how much he loved Lior and, and, and signing Nipsey Hussle and Sean Kingston and, and, and so many more people, you know, uh, Joey Badass and Flip De Niro. Internets, if you're someone who wants to get in the, the business of music, of labels, of, of independent labels, or whatever. It's literally class in session, okay? But before we get to this week's episode, you know what I tell you. When you open up your Twitter app, open up your Instagram app, and check the fuck in. At Premium P, at Premium Petro. Let me know where you're listening from. You know I love when you check in, when you listen from. Listen, Kansas City was on the check-in. Where else, Benson? Didn't we have uh, well, LA's on the check-in, right? 
Of course we had. Yo, you know what? You know who else was on the? Uh, uh, well, obviously I said last week was Zimbabwe, but shots to Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe just because there's some good people out there. I seen you hitting me up out there with Dallas and Austin and Houston, all my Texas family, and then I even seen in Poland, Warsaw, Jakarta. Okay, international love, and in the states for Premium Pichot Internets. If you ever listen to an episode that you love. Send it to a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the Premium Pete Show. Now, before we get to this week's episode, you know I'm going to hit you with some some good Pastor Pete love. And you know what that is? Take more pictures. You'll thank yourself on, later on in life. Okay? Internet, let me say that again. Take more pictures. You'll thank yourself later on in life. You know, the other day I found a couple of pictures of myself. I'm like, damn, man, I wish I would have had these older pics when I was wearing this thing, but I didn't have it. Because, you know, back then we didn't really think to take pictures all the time. And now... We take pictures of everything. Internets, if somebody ever told you you're taking too much pictures, tell them to shut the fuck up. Take as much pictures as you want because one day when you're, you get to look back at them and they're your kid or your mother and it's fucking beautiful. Anyway, listen, Internets, I always tell you, rate, subscribe, comment, tell a friend to tell a friend about the Premium Pete Show. I ain't got much to say, okay? But let's get to this week's episode of the Premium Pete Show. Cheer. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Man Scoop, the other smooth voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Cork McClam, Internets. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go, Internets. Let's turn up one time, Premium Pete. Come on, everybody get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up. It's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the show cause Milk said so fuck what you heard better act like you know it's the premium Pete show internet welcome back to another episode of the premium Pete show sitting down with he possibly could be uh, half Italian uh, <laughs> you know Cuban uh it's man this far fetched Cubans and Italians could be that's right hey, listen you know eh, you know some chicken palm Cubano <laughs> you know it, you know we talk with our hands yeah, every yeah <laughs> that's a big thing internet uh you might know him from producing over the years a uh, tremendous amount of mixtape tremendous amount of involvement uh I always say uh EFN uh, because he doesn't like to be called FN <laughs> I found out and that's and it doesn't matter for fifty anymore because I don't think he even owns Vox, uh, the right. FN Vox. right right but. You know, I always say there's a, a, a puzzle in this thing called hip-hop. Right. And everyone is a piece of the puzzle. Right. You know? And it's funny because I feel like sometimes people, and, and you tell me, they may not even know people's involvement in things. Like They may see you on a podcast, Drink Champs, right. uh, and, by, and and not know all the stuff you did before that. Absolutely, yeah. That's why it's important to, you know, I'm glad that you, you move around and sit down with, and, and you know, and, and, and have your story told because it's important. Anyway, internet. DJ EFN <laughs> is in the building. Thank you Welcome for to the me. show, my Thank man. Thank you, man. Listen, uh, how many people call you EFN, though? It's been since the beginning of my mixtape career, and I had skits on my mixtapes dissing people. I've kind of gotten used to it, where it's like I can't get that mad because people are like, you should have put dots in your name. But I'm like, come on, man. It's all capital letters. my initials of my real government name. Okay. It's so Eric, that's what it Eric is. Eric Fernando Naziandi. So let me ask him, was it anything before that? Yeah, I had like, you know... E funk, funk E, like you know the corny names. That, as a kid, that I was trying to figure out what's my DJ name, and then I was like, let me just keep it simple to to who I am, and that's my initials. Yeah. Now, born and raised in Miami, right? Born in uh, Los Angeles, California. Really? Yeah. And then uh, because of parents divorcing and separating and movements around, my dad moved to to Miami in the heyday of the quote unquote cocaine cowboy days. 
He's a Vietnam veteran Marine uh, that had uh, found some kind of work in the 80s in Miami. So uh, we would go back, we would go to Miami and back and forth Miami and L.A. until finally, you know, they called it quits and my mom just decided to just stay in Miami. So I was like junior high time for me. Mm. Now, were you closer with mom or dad? No, I was raised by a single mother, basically. Really? Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's crazy, man. And it's actually... You know, it's actually sad uh, how many people I've, I mean, you sat down with a lot of people. I've sat down with a lot of people as right. well. And how many people you'll hear that didn't grow up uh, with, and I don't mean only both home, but some people with no father at all. Right. You know, like I just, you know, I had uh, a stash on, legendary designer, graffiti artist. Um, you know, he spoke about his father, you know, I just didn't come around. Yeah. You know, and, and, and. I, you know, and you also have Fatherhood's podcast. Shouts to uh, thank you for being a guest. Yeah, I, I, no, listen, I told you uh, when I was on, you know, uh, with Kether and 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 uh, Manny, who's here actually. Manny, yeah, right, I didn't even know that. Yeah, 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 Manny. Right, Manny when we, go, when we yeah. go back out, I got to meet him. Um, but you know, that don't, like, who would ever thought that was that would never you would never hear that years ago, right? And I love how much we pay attention to parenting because. And I ask this a lot to people, but not having both parents like that, did that affect you growing up? Absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, that's why it's been so important to to be conscious of trying to be a, the best father I can to my daughter. To the point where I'm like, am I going to over-parent? Sure. Because you want to, like, overcompensate for what you didn't have. And, you know, and on top of that, you don't really have great examples of how to be a father. Sure. And that's why I think our podcast is kind of important. Because really the podcast was, was something of – just us consoling each other, and we're like, might as well record it because maybe other people could benefit from our conversations. Sure, sure. So. it's 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 dope to see things like that, you know. Uh, and it's funny, Kath. I tell uh, Kath, I say, listen, you got to show your face around this uh, yeah, he podcast wanna, world. Yeah, he's <laughs> his his nickname is KGB on the show, and then he pixelates his face when we yeah, take pictures. Yeah. He's hilarious. Yeah. I told him, I said, yo, you want this thing to move? You better start yeah, showing your face. He's super low key. He'll he'll come out yeah. one of these days, <laughs> you know. We'll go back and forth, but mm -hmm. so you grow up in in Miami, right? Well, right, right. With mom, right. After you're from Los Angeles, you grew up. Yeah, you basically grew up in in Miami, right? Yeah, I mean, I felt I felt both places were my home because every summer I still had I still have go family, back that way. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, Miami is my home. That's that's, that's where you rest too to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miami's my home. Yeah. For people listening who who may not even know that time, even people who listen, and I always say this, I'll say it again. Anybody who knows who DJ EFN is, I want them to learn a little bit more if right. they listen to this episode. Uh, people who don't know you, I want them to learn about you. Discover me. You know? <laughs> um, what was Miami like when you were growing up, though? I mean, the 80s were crazy. Like, like anything. Now, it's funny because now, you you know, like these documentaries, like the Cocaine Cowboys and all these yeah, things, yeah. like it, it's starting to shed light on some of the things that I was seeing and didn't really understand. Like the area that I, I live in is kind of like a suburb of Miami. It's called Kendall. But now, you know, these documentaries are shedding light because it was crazy, that suburb. And it turns out that it's it was the suburb of the all the drug dealers that got a little paper. They created this suburb mm. that was their little, you know, home away from home. And and, the, and it was that. And, I mean, the drugs and, and everything that you just think of Miami, it was real prevalent in growing up. And then, and then just being, you know, just not having the father around and... It was kind of tough in the beginning because I didn't like Miami. I, you know, I, I felt like L.A. was my home. I had my family in L.A. I had my friends, my, you know, when I was young. And so I felt like I wasn't from Miami. So in the beginning, it was kind of rough for me to kind of adapt. And even though I'm Cuban, I grew up around, you know, like Mexicans. And there, there was a Cuban, small Cuban population in 
in L.A. And, and then it's funny the way they network. They kind of try to keep each other together. But still, you know, I grew up in in the culture of like Mexicans and, and the West Coast vibe. And so come, coming to Miami, it was tough. And and I kind of learned the hard way a lot of things and had to figure things out. And mom's telling me, don't worry, just cry. Go to the principal if you have a problem. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't cut yeah, it. Sure, yeah. When you're a latchkey kid, yeah. you know, in the streets, you yeah, know, like, yeah. that just doesn't cut it. You know, it's sad because that's still used to this day. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, you know, it's funny because my daughter's 19. Right. My son is four, and uh, I didn't have no problems like that. I mean, my daughter, it's like, I feel like they're a little more rowdy now, like teenage girls or, or, or young younger kids. I, I try to tell her, like, yo, you know, stay out of trouble. But these girls fight for, you know, pull each other's hair, right. fuck around for anything. But my daughter, thank God, she's been pretty on point. But my son, I never, you know, he's only four, and I remember talking with my lady at the time and just telling her, like, you know, she's like, you know, if anybody hits you, uh, you know, tell the teacher. Right. And I don't know why, but I was like, nah, <laughs> hit them right back. <laughs> and she's like, why Why are you teaching them that? I'm like, man, what, do you, what the hell is the teacher going to do? Yo, every action has a reaction. Right. I'm not saying you, like, what I'm saying is if someone puts their hands in, they got to know, like, oh, shit, my bad, I smacked the shit out of you back. Because I'm not trying to raise a kid who wants to fight, but it's like, yo, if you put your hands on me, like, I'm going to put my hands on you. Right, absolutely. What's the teacher going to do? Like, ah, don't yeah. don't punch him in the face again. Yeah. You know, it's like, yo, dude already got a fucking shiner. Right. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, I don't even know where we got here. No, it was just talking about, yeah, the, just the growing up in Miami, my mom being single parent and, and just navigating those streets. What did she do for a living? Yeah. She got a job at a community college. Um, she was like just working in admissions, and later on, she 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 was working um, in like the art, different departments of the school. I mean, she was just making ends meet. You know, like uh, we you know we had the the bare necessities. Um, and then my dad would come in and out of of my life. He was just you know he was he was he would do all right, but he was like he was a hustler. He was going around doing yeah. different things. Um, but it was it was tough in those early years in Miami, you know, trying to figure it out. And and again, Miami's the South, you know, at the end of the day. And then you had like we had like weird racial shit going on in school. It was like the blacks and the Spanish kids were always beefing. Um, and then like it was just like all kinds of crazy shit was happening. And but out of that, it's funny because out of all of this stuff is where like my passion for hip hop came. And it's kind of like what. And it sounds corny, but it's the truth. Hip hop took the place of my father, mm. and kind of filling. I don't think it's corny, but go ahead. Filling that void that I wasn't really getting from the side from sure. my mother, you know. And and it just kind of like helped me navigate these troubled waters. Who 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 were some of the artists that were filling that spot at that time? I mean, in the beginning, you know, I'm listening to all kinds of. I lo- I just loved music. Sure. Like I loved I loved everything, like rock, Spanish music, everything. Freestyle, so, Stevie B. I never really got into that. That's no. the one thing I never really got into. And it was big in Miami too, but I don't know. It just didn't didn't touch a nerve for me. You but were, um, you weren't dancing to that. I want to be nah. the one you're kissing. And not, at all. Okay. not at all. I was probably like more in, in the beginning. I was a skater when I was young. Really? So I was like listening to like punk and, and metal. I liked like Iron Maiden and Megadeth and 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 then Guns N' Roses and stuff like that. Motley Crue. But in the mix of all that, I'm listening to LL Cool J and Beastie Boys and. And Dougie Fresh and and then MC Shy D from down south. You mm-hmm. got you know you got the uh, Gucci Crew and and then Two Live Crew and these guys. So all of that's coming into into play. And then something clicks at a point where I loved all this other music, but it felt like hip hop spoke to me directly, spoke to me like generationally. Like I felt like this is the music of my time. So I kind of like pivoted. And then, and then NWA is what did it for me actually. For some reason, like 
rap music up until that point didn't have the emotion that I felt when I heard NWA for the first time. Like, I felt their anger. I felt like like I didn't mm. never want to go to fucking Compton. Sure, sure. Hearing their shit. I'm like, this shit sounds scary as shit. <laughs> you know, like, like I never felt like that listening to the other acts. So I'm like, man, this shit, this is powerful. I felt like this. And then Public Enemy and NWA were, like, equally as important to me. And then Public Enemies just teach me a whole other, you know, side of the world. And I just felt like this is the this is my music. And I latched onto it. And, and, and that was, like, maybe towards the middle and end of junior high. And then getting into high school, I just made it my mission to be, like, just a fan of the music, you know, before ever thinking I could do anything in it. Like, seriously, because, you know, in the beginning, we're just like, we're from Miami. Like, we got, you know, Miami's not nothing for hip-hop. If anything, we were a joke to to the hip-hop world at that time. You know, the South and Miami even more. Sure. Uh, even though Two Life Crew had done a lot for hip-hop and for music in general, bass music had kind of become a parallel to hip-hop at that time. Even though it's really all the same, but it's just something happened there. There was a break. Did you meet uh, Uncle Luke? Uh, well, we had him on the show. Back then? No, I know, but I'm saying back then. I had seen them, yeah. We used to go to you know, local skating rings. They would perform, and and I, I didn't meet them, but I would see these guys live all the time. They, they had this club called the Pack Jam. It was like a, a local just, that was the place to be at. You know, it was, it was like the hood spot, but if you could, if you could get through that and, and survive it, you know, you, you could Is get, it a skate rink? No, nah, no, nah, it was just a club. It was okay. Just, yeah, it was, a, it was, it it was, was a, like a Latin quarters. Yeah, but it was for like a, it was like a, I don't know, kid, it was a kitty club, I guess you would call okay, it. Okay, really? That's thorough, damn. But it was crazy, you know. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yo, when you mentioned even the skate part, right, you mentioned that, like, even, like, was that roller like skate? Roller skating ring, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yo, you know what? That's one thing. Hot Wheels was the name of the spot really? to go to, yeah. I, I tell you, even going to Atlanta, my man G-Rock brought me to, uh, I've been to Atlanta a bunch of times, but he brought me to Cascade years ago. Right. And, and and that's one of the few times where I said to myself, I love being in New York. I love being a Brooklyn Knight. I love I love being somebody who grew up in New York. I, you just built with a swagger when you grew up. Right. But I, one thing I do hate is how, like, we would never, like, like at least the way I grew up, like, we weren't going out skating. Like, I was... Y'all didn't have that up here? You had a couple places, like, but when you, like, I, I was that Brooklyn that stood here holding my nuts, like, man, I ain't fucking, like... Hard rock shit for right. no reason. I like, mean, I was a terrible skater. I never really went to like circle and do tricks. My whole thing was get to the middle, because the middle's where you just hung out and you dance with the chicks or whatever. Yeah, but that's what. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. When I went to Cascade and I seen yeah. this, I said to myself, "Damn, man, sometimes you gotta let your hair down. Yeah, fuck all that. Like, like, and I love that culture that you know has those different things where you like if you skate, that don't mean you you soft or no, you know absolutely not. But yeah. in New York, sometimes some of us wouldn't really do those type of things. And that's one of the only places back then that we would actually see DJs yeah. doing their thing. Spending it. Yeah. yeah. yeah at least for a kid. Yeah. That was the only... I, and I was a, totally amazed by that. I was like, yo, look at this dude, you know, just controlling everybody. And that's another part of how I just wanted to be a DJ after that. So you're growing up in, in, in Miami after moving from Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Mom, dad, once in a while... Once in a blue you, moon coming you, through, yeah. You know, I, you know, I'm sure, obviously, we spoke about how that affected you. Um, what did you even think that you wanted to do? Like, did you even think, like, yo, I want to... I, I know you're saying DJ caught your eye from the skating rink, but, like, you, yeah, you can't just become nah, a I fucking DJ. Yeah, no, nah, I didn't... Ending a high school, I mean, I was just trying to... Like, my last year of high school was one of the funnest times of my life. Why and is that? It just... I don't know. Just everything came together. You know, I mean, I was enjoying, like, being a fan of the music. 
one of the things, another thing that I wanted to take advantage of is that hip hop was already big in some of these other cities like New York or Atlanta or Chicago or LA. But the hip hop that I was, you know, listening to, it was at its infant stages in Miami. So I felt like, man, I can actually witness history here, mm. you know, where I might not be able to do that in these other cities. So I'm going to go to as many shows as I can. Like, I'm going to support this scene. Literally, there was probably a couple thousand of us. We probably knew each other by face. Mm. Hip-hop heads in Miami. Sure. Um, but we had this identity crisis, and this is going to veer off a little from the convo, but where there's so many New York transplants in Miami that the hip-hop, like, folks would call themselves New Yorkers. And it would bug the shit out of us. <laughs> like, I'm not from New York. First of all, I'm from L.A. originally. And on top of that, as a hip-hop head, I really, like, like seeing what was going on in New York with the boroughs and being proud of your borough. I'm like, man, I want to be proud of Miami. I don't want to be, I don't want to say I'm something I'm not. You would see kids that would never step a foot in New York talking about they New Yorkers and they had an accent. We would make jokes saying that when they went, you know, if they went to New York, they had to recharge to come back, you know, with their new accent, you know, sure, the sure. accent intact. So. So, we, you know, I just wanted to be a part of this local scene, help cultivate the local scene as a fan originally, just support it financially by going. I mean, I, I didn't have money. So I try to think, but I'm like, how did I pay for any of this shit? But I had, did little hustles here and there. Sure. Um, and that's what I, I mean, I got to see the first time Biggie came to Miami, the first time Redman came to Miami, uh, first time Wu-Tang came to Miami, like all the first times for these guys, Mob Deep. But what changed the game for me and what made me realize that I could maybe maybe get a career in this or maybe do something in this is um, How Can I Be Down convention came mm. to Miami, 94. And I was like, because before I'm like, I have no connections. I, there's no way I could meet anybody that or make any inroads into this. And then this came and fell on my lap. And I'm like, I got to go to this because now I have an opportunity to, to, to meet people, network listen to these people, because I was studying the magazines, the Source sure, magazine, sure. whatever, and I was reading all these articles, Ruthless Records, uh, even Master P's Movement, Wu-Tang, even uh, Luke Skywalker. I was studying all the indie guys, indie labels, and seeing how they were doing it, and I'm like, this is maybe how I, this is the, the roadmap to maybe something I can do. And then How Can I Be Down came, and that changed everything for me. Because what happened is I started to do mixtapes. It took me a while to be able to afford turntables, and then I started to do mixtapes, but then I got drops at How Can I Be Down. Like, just from what? Like, uh, from I had a, a little hand tape cassette recorder, and I would go get drops. Who was some of the drops? Uh? Oh, I mean, I got Biggie. I got Pun. Really? Puff. Classic. Busta. But saying what? Like, would you tell them, like, yo, can you shout out? I mean, this is, this is the hate. This is, like, such a classic era in hip-hop that these artists were, they were in Miami, so they're just geeked to be in Miami. And then for someone from Miami or just anybody coming up and just recognizing them, they were still happy to be recognized. Sure, sure. So for it was me, early on in yeah. their career. And so. then on top of that, you're like, I'm a DJ from Miami. You know, they're like, oh, they're they're thinking of expanding their brand for whatever it's worth. And they're like, yeah, of course. You know, like, they, you know, I want a DJ in Miami repping me. So they were, you know, giving up these drops. And those drops made a big difference for me because nobody in Miami was, you know, getting drops from these national artists at the time. And nobody in Miami was doing mixtapes and trying to be consistent sure. because I'm learning off of looking at Tony Touch, DJ sure. Clue, SNS, sure. and Ron G and these guys. And I'm like, I got to do that, but for Miami. And that's where I kind of started to, to mobilize. Do you remember uh, any legendary drops, like the way they, you know, I, I, Biggie, obviously, all these people are legend, but I'm talking yeah. about like, I any mean, funny moments of a, of a like... I mean, I, I could just tell you, like, uh, well, I'll tell you, 
this isn't necessarily a drop, and I and we talk about this when we had him on the show recently. Exhibit, yeah. So Exhibit only had the record Paparazzi out, and it was only on on vinyl that I could remember. I mean, the single because you know vinyl went first to the DJs before it went out to market. And um, I don't even think he had his face on the vinyl. I think it was just a promo vinyl, but whatever. I recognized him. I said, I had a really uncanny way of just knowing this is so-and-so. Because back then, there's no internet. Sure, sure. You just got to really know it's your you. shit. It's you. What's up? Because yeah. if you go up to the wrong person and say, you're so-and-so, and yeah. they're not so-and-so, you're a dick. <laughs> so I was like, yo, you're Exhibit. And he's like, yo. So he's ha- he's hype. He's like, oh, shit. And there was a, a competing festival when, when uh, How Can I Be Down was happening called Hoodstock. In an area now that's really hipster called Wynwood, which used to be the hood. And that's where Zulu Nation used to throw all these hip-hop events. And it was like the hood. So these guys from Miami decided they want to do hoodstock to compete with the How Can I, How Can I Be Down. They felt like that was inf- like infringing on their territory, like out-of-towners coming in. So they did this festival. And they booked all the biggest artists. But it worked out for the artists because either they're coming down for How Can I Be Down or they're coming down for hoodstock. They're going to go and attend both of them. Sure. So exhibit, we I meet him. I say, yo, what's up, man? Blah blah. He's like, yo. He's like, yo. I'm trying to get. I'm booked for this Hoodstock event, but I don't. I don't know where it's at. Where I'm more in South Beach. Hoodstock's more inland. And he's like, I don't know how to get there. And I was like, yo, we'll take you there. And he's like, you take me there. I'm like, yeah, come on, man. I had a Pathfinder. I had like you see how I have a bunch of friends with me. All my friends still from high school days. I still roll with the same people. And we jump in. I said, yo, man, I can't kick my boy out the seat. So you're gonna have to. Going to the back, back, <laughs> third row. Not even. Oh, no ha- okay, really? Okay, damn. <laughs> but he was so. He's like, no problem. He jumps in. His DJ, who was the one who produced Paparazzi, was there, and I was even more geeked to meet him. I'm like, yo, you produce, yo, that sample's crazy. We're talking to him. He's in the back. He pulls out, and true, you know, he was down with the alcoholics, the Licks crew. Shout out to King T. So he had a canteen with a. Tangeray and juice, and he's passing it around with an echo canteen. I remember this shit like it was yesterday. He's passing around. I'm driving. I'm playing probably his music. We're driving to to the hood, and we're going into into Hoodstock. We get to the park. It was Roberto Clemente Park. It's a little pocket of Puerto Ricans. This hood was that, and so they had a park, Roberto Clemente Park, and that's where they were doing the festival. And we, I actually came around the wrong end. So there's big fence where we couldn't really get in, and then we were just like, we're going to have to jump the fence. So I remember it was, if I'm not wrong, Heather B and MOP were performing at the time, and then we start climbing this big-ass fence, and then some people were like, yo, what up, crazy hood? Look, wait, is that exhibit? Cra- yo, and then we just climbing this fence, and, and, it's just, and I told him the story, and he's like, he didn't quite remember, but then he started kind of remembering it a little bit. And he was like, yo, I think I do. Re- I remember exactly the show. He remembers, you know, everything else. But it was like, for me, like, that just was a, such a memorable experience, you know. And, yeah, that's one of those. It wasn't, and I got a drop out of it. So if, it's a drop story. So nah, that's <laughs> yeah. nah, all good. We don't have to stay yeah. on trial. Like, see, like, that is, 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 is what makes the journey, man. Oh, yeah. You know? Amazing. It, it's funny, too, because I really think people who uh, don't understand how important it is to be an ambassador of where they're from. Right. Meaning like, you know, you think about it and I give example, even like somebody like Ben Bowler in LA with Drake, uh, part of the reason why him and, you know, uh, became cool was because, you know, Ben's like the type of dude, like, yo, I'm picking you up from the airport. I'll show you around. Like, you know, uh, you know, I'll bring you to here. I'll bring you to there. Right. So the point I'm trying to make is like, even though you didn't set that up with exhibit, 
but the fact that you know you're a local. You right. know what I mean? You know how to move. You know, oh well, yeah, we take the back roads. We'll go here. We'll go yeah. here. I'll bring you there. You know, it's tremendously valuable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Back then, you know, he basically hitched a ride. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But now it's like, it, 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 think about it. And even just from producing, hip-hop, podcasting, documentaries that you do, yeah. wherever you go, you can know somebody. Right. And you can know somebody, somebody, but yo, you know, EFN, yo, you in Detroit? You know, uh, let me take you to this taco spot. Or, you know what I mean? Or you got to go here. Or you got to go here. And it's amazing uh, 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 of, of the network of people you create from doing shit that at one point in time was just considered like something you love. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's crazy when you think about that. But moving forward, you, you know, you, you think about like you get all these drops, you know, you, you, you talked about uh, turntables. But who, did anybody like, you know, teach you how to DJ? Nah, man, or? I had to buy these, uh, you know, the executioners. Yeah. Right? I would buy their VHS tapes. I would buy anything I could. Nobody taught me. I had no mentor, um, and it, and it sucked to not have a mentor. Like I'm literally Still learning. To this on day, my... you can say you don't have one. In terms of DJ, no. In overall, you know. Nah, man, not really, man. Have you ever tried to seek out one? Kinda, kinda. I don't know if it's Cuban macho shit now at this point, but I mean, I've I've thought of it like, man, that would have been kind of cool if I would have had a mentor that. Would I probably would have, but at the end of the day, like I, whatever mistakes I made, I needed to make those mistakes. Sure, absolutely, it'll be better. You know? Yeah, and 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 I and I mean, I feel like I've taken the longest road, probably, you know, or, or a long road. But and there's probably more to go. But I, I appreciate the journey, you know, and I I feel like it's probably the way it's supposed to be. So, and, but but I want to change that for somebody else, and I try to mentor as many people as I can. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. So 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 you get your turntables, get a mixer. You know, and, and, and you just start. Well, before that, I'm making pause tapes with cassette decks. Okay, really? Yeah, because I didn't have money for, for turntables. Fuck. Then, then, and I'm passing those out to my boys. And then um, then I get the, the DJ starter kit in the back of the source, which is the Gemini turntables that are belt driving. Those are terrible. And then I get my um, Technique 1200s. And that's when I really start to, to try to, like, you know, do the mixtape stuff. You know, a lot of people uh, consider you, uh, you know, you made a lot of mixtapes, you know, over the years. I mean, how many could you say under the belt? Uh, I probably can't even count, but volumes, like I call them volumes, they were at least close to 100 at least. But who else was doing this at that time? In in Miami, nobody. Yeah. I was I was the first consistent one. There was other guys, like shout out to my boy DJ Craze, who's like a world-renowned DJ out of my area as well. Um... And there's other guys that did a mixtape here and there, but that was my niche. That's where I found my niche. I was like, okay, what can I do with little the little resources that I have? And it was mixtapes. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do mixtapes. I'm going to be consistent. And then I'm going to emulate what's coming out of New York because that's what we're getting that in Miami. Sure. And everybody's taking it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to change it up where you're listening to shout out to, you know, Brooklyn, shout out to the Bronx, shout out to this, shout out to this. I'm going to shout out the areas in Miami. I'm going to title these mixtapes Miami reference titles. I'm going to put on some of our local artists in the intros and 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 but in, I'm going to mix it in and then but I'm going to still give you try to give you the same music and exclusives you're getting on these mixtapes. I'm trying to compete. And, and and it started to work. Now were artists like, you know, willing to give up like exclusives or do In the beginning, no. I would literally drive up the East Coast just enough money for gas jacking food on the way up in all the little you know 
gas stations, I would just go and jack whatever, the cheese or the bread or the crackers, <laughs> just gas, and I would go to record stores and buy, because in the beginning it's vinyl, and sure. even the vinyl was white labels, you got you could get some exclusives, and and I was doing that at first, and then um, when I started to go to the conventions, the next conventions, I bought a, a digital four track, and I would take that digital four track, and wherever, whatever hotel most of the artists were staying at in the in the conferences, I would plop that motherfucker right in the lobby, headphones, microphone, tracks already queued up, and it was me and my boys at that time, probably like 15, 20 of us, and we'd be like, what's up, man? I need you to do a freestyle for a mixtape. Classic. And most of the time, they're not going to say no to 15, 20 motherfuckers looking at them like, yeah, we need here's yeah, the yeah. microphone. You know? Say something. Yeah, and, and, and I started getting freestyles, and then the person who really changed the game for me, and it's funny that to this day we're together, is Nori. Mm. So I had a store called Crazy Goods. I opened up a, a hip-hop clothing store. And in those days, no internet, pre-internet, whenever you had a show, you would do the rounds at retail, you know, do in-stores. Sure. And this is like 96, 97, probably 97. Um, Nori was doing the promo tour for CNN by himself because Pone was locked up. And my boy, Phil the Mayor, who does Live Now, mm-hmm. those are all, all my people's, he he brought him to my store, and I had my digital four track. Gave Nori the mic, laced it. I don't know if it's his Latino side, but we just hit it off, and we just both were just like from that point on, we stayed in contact. And he would send me free, like he was like almost on every single mixtape. You know, he would send me freestyles and all the people in in the thugged out camp. Capone when he got out, I I actually was I put Nori's first show together, solo show in Miami. I did that. And then when Capone got out, I I organized the Capone Home Show in Miami. Oh, nice! And that because of the consistency with Nori, and Nori was you know at that time he was huge. Sure. Um, then it started bringing other artists, attracting more artists to do more stuff for me, like more freestyles now. Now, were you selling the CDs? Or yeah, yeah. And how, how much ten dollars? I mean, I had the wholesale street, rate. I had yeah. the retail rate. I you know. I was do you getting, remember like? At one point in time, like saying, "Why like, did you, you know, were you racking up an amount where you were even impressed yourself?" I was, I was. I mean, it was like selling drugs sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I remember because who kid has stories like this too? Yeah. Uh, uh, of, of of you know how many selling and think about who else uh, was selling you know mixtapes like that. Uh, you know, Clue had mixtapes, but yeah. then it became obviously. Uh, um, you know, he would go through a label after a while, but right. But you, you, I'm sure you were selling some in the local barbershop. Had him no barbershops. I mean, I I even got into retail, like where you were. Like, there's this distributor out of Texas that was packaging all these, you know, Fuck. working with all of us mixtape DJs, licensing the mixtape, and then putting us in retail stores. Mm. And then I was internationally, I was doing a lot of stuff. Um, but it got to a point. There was a big mixtape distributor out of Miami called. Uh, uh, Hip Hop Connection. He was one of the biggest mixtape distributors in the world. And he got raided by the feds. He was the first one to get raided in this manner. They froze all his assets, everything. And that shook me to the core. And then I started getting cease and desist letters from all kinds of different like labels and stuff like that. So I started to like like back down a little bit on what I was doing on, on mixtape-wise. Did you know what you wanted to do next? or you know? Well, I mean, I was already... I was already trying to do everything at the time because right. I felt I already knew, you know, I have to put on many hats. Not one thing is going to get me where I need to go. So I started a record label, an independent record label, and I was managing and developing artists and producing artists, and we were putting them out. 
Um, I had the the store, which I also in the store I had a record pool, in the store, and then I started mo- doing promotions. I was like the street team director for some labels and regional guy for a lot of people. I I had every record label account at one point, point. Um, and then I you know branched off into films and Coca Cola and Bacardi and Echo Clothing, all this stuff. Then um, I started consulting for 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 startup companies that wanted to do stuff. I'm like, all right, you know, you want to pay me for advice? Sure, sure. Let's do it, you know? And so I just kept it kept it moving. Then I started managing artists, and, and, then I, and then I started doing film and started podcasting. So, You know, it's funny that you go into podcasts, and we'll go back and forth, and we'll bounce around. Um, but, Nor, you know, from my days on the Combat Jack show, we had Nori on. And, uh, you know, he, he was a great podcast guest. Yeah. And he had, you could tell how the stories he had. And, and, and you know, moving over and, and, and starting Drink Champs. And, I, you know, I know obviously, uh, you know, he's always gave it up, even though, I, you know, about like combat being an influence to start the podcast. or. But then again, who knows? Like, what is the story of how you got together? Like, you know. So I explained the beginning of how we met. Um, and we'd been in contact. Like, we were just advocates for each other in our markets forever. Um, I had even DJed for him overseas sometimes, you know, we just became really good friends and worked a lot together at, after his reggaeton stint, which I wasn't big on, like, even though I'm Latino, I wasn't, I don't like, like, I wasn't big on reggaeton. So when he did that, I was surprised even. And so after he finished doing that, he moved to Miami and he told me, he's like, look, man, help me. Like I'm leaving, like, I'm not doing reggaeton anymore get me back on the hip-hop track, basically, you know, in other words. So he moved close to my studio in Kendall's, the area that, that, that we live in, and um, and then he started working out of my studio. And then homie Leo G from uh, XM at the time, which before was Sirius XM, he offered us uh, a show to do a show. So we were actually one of the only shows, I think, that could actually pre-record and send in when they were in the D.C. offices. And we had a weekly show on XM Radio, 66 Raw. And then the merge happened, and then we were on Sirius XM. And if you go, you could YouTube this show. You could Google it. It's called Militainment Crazy Raw Radio. That was Nori's crazy idea for the name to mash all our names up. Um, it sounds, it looks and sounds like Drink Champs. We're drinking Tiger Bone, make some noise. We, we introduce each other the same exact way. We just had less guests because we're in South Miami, so not too many sure. people were coming down to us. And so... Nori ended up doing one of his CNN albums. He went on tour. I started managing a group called Media. They got signed to Strange Music, Tech Nine. They we started doing a lot of stuff. So we both got really busy. We weren't really making money doing that show. True. It wasn't a money thing. So we stopped doing it. I was trying to find a way to do something like that without the like the the whole thing about the scheduling and getting it in by a certain day of the week. Um, and then I had a friend. Uh, called uh, Godfrey, who does a podcast called Gamer Tag Radio. Mm-hmm. And he was always, like, one thing I've learned about people who've been in the podcasting game, they're big advocates for anybody to podcast, which in other industries, you kind of keep it to yourself, like, we don't want nobody to do this. But podcasters kind of advocate, like, nah, you should podcast, which is surprising. Sure. So he would tell me, man, you should podcast, you should podcast. And I would tell Nori, in the beginning, Nori wasn't really, like, up on podcasting or what it really was all about. He was, you know, as most people in hip-hop. And so then finally, you know, and I'm kind of going through a bunch of timelines, but actually loudspeaker stepped to us. Yeah. I think somebody hit Nori up and said, yeah, that stuff you were doing on Sirius XM, you should do it as a podcast. 
He directed them to me. I forgot who I was talking to. They sent even equipment and everything, and then Nori just wasn't ready yet to do it. This whole period is like three years, four years. So keep that in mind, though. We have no name for whatever we're going to do. So backtrack really quick when we're in the studio, you know, maybe four years before that with Nori. In my crew, we're big drinkers. Nori, you know, smoked a lot. He drank too, but we were big drinkers. So we had this ongoing joke that if you got too drunk, you're not a drink champ. And that was just a thing that we said in our studio. Ah, you're not a drink champ. Ah, we're drink champ. I'm a drink champ. You're not a drink champ. Nori even did a song uh, inspired by it on uh, one of his uh, albums at that time with Alchemist producing it. And it was just a thing. And I loved it. Was, it wasn't supposed to be anything. It was just a thing that we would say in a studio. I loved it so much that I grabbed the dot-com, grabbed the Twitter, the IG, ended up copywriting. I just I didn't know what it was going to be. Sure. Even while we're talking later on about doing a podcast. So finally, we're getting more serious about doing the podcast. We're fast-forwarding now. And I'm trying to get Nori on board. We're like, let's just do it, man. Come on. Let's just commit to it. Let's just knock it out. Let's just do it. He ended up doing... Um, Whose show did he do? Oh, what's homie that that got locked up? Uh, Taxstone. Taxstone. He did Taxstone show. Shout out to Taxstone because he changed Nori's mind because Nori came back from that interview saying to himself that he saw himself in Tax and says, I can see myself doing this now. E, I'm ready. And I had told Nori, okay, I got the name. It's called Drink Champs. In the beginning, he wasn't so sure about the name, but then he was so ready because Nori's the type of dude, when he's ready, he's ready. He's yeah, ready sure, let's do it right now. He's like, you got the name? <laughs> let's just go. Yeah. And then my boy, um, Godfrey, was already with CBS, and and he, I was like, yo, he's he's offering to plug us with CBS. I don't know if you want to do CBS. You know, who you want to? <sighs> CBS just sounds crazy. Yeah, it does sound you crazy. You know, so we went to CBS, and, 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 and we didn't expect anything of it. We didn't think it was going to be something that popped. We just did it, and it just... It, it just did its thing right off, right out the gate, you know. Well, you know, a couple of things. First off, it 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 was powerful because if Nori, yeah, you know, is 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 like this wild fucking yeah. dude. You know what I mean? Like, um, and the idea, I guess, of getting drinking and, right. and and stuff like that. And it's funny too because like any podcast or any radio show, and I'm sure you guys heard this, but people. Like I'll give an example, like Howard Stern, people hated him, but right. they would listen to see what he had to say. You know, even like where people would be drinking and it would be all loud and sometimes like that, but people still listen. Right. You know, CBS, uh, you know, I, I remember when it came out, because I think Rap Radar was on CBS yep. too at the yeah. same time. Um, Play.it was their platform. Yeah. yeah. What happened with that relationship? Um, they, that company, they sold. Um. I don't know. They sold and they got out of the podcast business. We ended up getting, we didn't have a deal. Our, our original deal was just based off of ad revenue. And we've talked about this before. We didn't make a dime for the first six months. But then when the, somehow when they got their shit together in terms of selling ads, it started, we started to see sure, some, some pretty sure. decent money. So, but we didn't have a deal necessarily. And then when it came time, they were in the middle of like selling the company. I don't know, something was happening with them. So they were in turmoil, and they weren't prepared to offer us some kind of a deal and uh, with a guarantee is what we were looking for. And so we ended up going to uh, Audio Boom from there, and it was you know a deal with a guarantee. You still with Audio Boom? No. Uh, now we're about to announce some really amazing new new deals. Okay. Okay. Well, congrats. Yeah. Now, now 
you know, it's funny because we're podcasting. Um, well, first of all, how, how do you like podcasting? I love it. Yeah. I, I love I love it. I mean, you see, I, I try to do different ones. I really do believe in that mantra that everybody should just go out there and, and do podcasting. Yeah. If they can, you know. Now, a lot of people uh, who listen to Drink Champs, you know, there's so many legendary moments on the show. Um, and, you know, obviously you guys partner with Revolt, so, you know, right, to bring, a, TV video, version of to bring a video aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but so many people you'll hear a complaint that Nori cuts off the guest, right? Right, right. You know, how hard is it to, because mind you, even though you have done, you know, uh, podcasting, well, well, not, well, you've done shows with him before. Right, it right. was called podcasting. Right. But how hard is it to be, you know, the, you know, bring things together? You know what I'm saying? Like, meaning... I don't try to yeah. bring things together. I mean, what I do is... I, I, to me, it's like Nori is going to be Nori. And he... Let him be Nori. Yeah. You know, like, people have told me, like, oh, man, I wish, you know, you, you seem to be, like, the historic guy and this and that. You should throw in the... I'd be like, that's great. I'm not here to compete with Nori on the microphone. I want our show to be as as good as possible. And if Nori... If his personality is going to make our show better, let, let Nori be Nori. You know, like... Like I look at myself as um what is it? It was uh Ed McMahon and Johnny Carson. Like, yeah, yeah. I got no problem being the Ed McMahon in our relationship. Yeah, no, I think you know, that's I'm powerful. I'm just Ed McMahon that owns a part of it. You know, I, I own it yeah. too. You know, I think that's powerful that uh, you say that because you know I used to say this all the time in the beginning in, in early Combat Jack show days, I didn't always say a lot. Right. But I was a part of the show. Right. And people used to be like, yo, uh, Premium Pete, you only say like three, four words. Right. And I was like, am I supposed to just be like, yo, it's Premium Pete, man. I just want to say something just so you hear, hear me. Voice? I wanted this show to win. Right. And that's all I cared about. And we continued to grow it and yeah. grow it and grow it. And then I grew as it went. But, you know, I think that's a great analogy. My thing is, 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 is I asked you that question for is because it's, it's a process to uh, uh, mesh with each other. Right. right? And, 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 it's funny because I, I think drink drink champs uh, again. I go back to a puzzle. Is 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 already you guys etched a part of hip hop history. Um, so many great moments. It shows the the power of relationships. Uh, meaning like if Nori has a relationship, or you have a relationship with somebody, come and you sit down. You're comfortable to right. talk. I always use this example in podcasting. When we were doing podcasting. People wouldn't like we Chuck D came on, you know, and and, right. and or Ice T came on, right? And and at that time. He didn't really know what a podcast was. So, you, you, you wanted me to come down there? Now, a hundred people reach out to Ice-T or Chuck right. or all these people. Like, you know, you'll hear it. Even when I'm sure when they come to you, like, oh, you know, I got to go to Breakfast Club. And Pete yeah, wants Press me to come on yeah. his and, you know, whatever, all that. But it's it's um, it's um a great camaraderie. You know, it was different. It was something that I felt that came out the gate that had a little bit different. For me, I remember in the beginning, too, I was like, I love I love what's going on here. The only thing is sometimes it get too fucking noisy for me. I'm it's like, crazy. You know, no, it, I, I was it, like, I couldn't pay attention to what the fuck is yeah. going on. And my only, I, I you know, I, 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 I love it, but my only time that, you know, I really understood how crazy it, it was is when you guys did Bun B. And you were there, yeah. And I was there. And you know what I said to myself? Here's my only critique, and I told Nori, but he was so fucking drunk, he didn't give right. a fuck. You know, uh, even if he's not drunk, he's not going to care. Yeah, but yeah. the point I'm making is this. He... 
that episode was three hours. Right. From a professional podcaster experience, I'm going to tell you, he could have ended it in an hour and a half. Listen, he was so professional. drunk. Talk about the biology in me, like, that wants to take a piss or wants to be. He was so drunk. Sleep, like, he was so know? drunk. He kept on going on. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, he already asked that three the, times already. That's the, but that's the, what yeah. makes it fucking funny. Right. It is. That's what makes it fucking funny. Yeah, I like, mean, and that, and that's. Sometimes that's where I try to come in and, like, help out the situation. Yeah, where I've yeah. cut shows off sometimes. You know, I've ended it for, for the guests, for God's sake. <laughs> you know, for our bladders. Um, or sometimes... For where, our bladders. Yeah, you know, sometimes I try to just bring in some... Just say things that make sense because we're, nobody's making sense anymore. But that is the beauty of Drink Champs. I mean, it literally... At its best, we start a show sober and we end up drunk. drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's naturally how we're all really talking off camera, sure, off sure. microphones. You know, we're getting drunk together. And I think that's the beauty of Drink Champs, man. And, and, I, and, and Nori's personality shines for what he's doing in Drink Champs. I think yeah. it's, it's made for that, for what he's doing. And those, you can't get that kind of relationship between artists. Sure, sure, because he is an artist. Yeah. And, then, and you know... Again, like, although I don't talk as much, I bring my perspective, like, rep, like I take it really, like, on the chest that I represent for the DJs, for sure. the street team guys. Sure. For Even if I don't talk, my presence represents those people, and sure. it's important for sure. that. And, you know, and I, and I don't take that lightly. Well, like I was just saying about, you know, when they were mentioning years ago where I didn't speak a lot, you right. know, you, you, I agree with you totally. Your presence is yeah. is powerful, and, 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 you know, it's like, but then again... If you talk to people, will complain that you talk too much. You're never going to please anybody. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. But it's great. It's, it, listen, I'll be honest with you. Uh, one thing I really like is that you guys kind of found another lane for your for your life. Right. Like you know, Nori became and you became like media guys, like podcast like, poppy. Yeah, but, but <laughs> like who who would have thought? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. Like I remember when he was making a joke to Ebro uh, Nori that he has a media card now. Yeah, yeah. And even if you look at people like Joe Budden, you yeah. know what I mean? Like who would have ever thought? He don't need to rap and have a show. He could have podcast shows around the world. It's it's great for hip hop. It's it's I think it's a lane we're creating for a lot of people. I yeah. mean, look at all the people doing shows like ours. And I don't think nobody should feel like there's competition. You know, just everybody just try and do your best and, and, and create your own lanes if you can. Yeah. No, it's important. Now what about like now now what's going on for people who listen who know you through Drink Champs or, or just know or are fans of Drink Champs? Mm -hmm. What's is is Drink Champs consistently coming out? Because sometimes, you know... Yeah, well, we've been... We've had... Yeah, our fans are irate. Well, number one rule I'm going to give you, yeah. even though you know this already. Okay, I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you a stat rule from my... From okay. my oh, okay. So, back then when it just started podcasting, meaning, especially in hip-hop... Right. You know, people listened to a show or two. There wasn't many out. You had Juan Epstein, you had Combat yep. Jack show. Okay? From that perspective, Right. Later on, you have, you know, It's the Real, you have uh, uh, Drink Champs, you have Joe Budden, you have Rap, Rap Radar, blah, 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 blah. Right. Forget about hip-hop. Now you have all these other shows. You have The Read, you know, you have uh, Friend Zone, you have uh, 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 Michael Rappaport, wh yeah. whatever you listen to, not right. meaning uh, you in general. The average listener listens to about eight podcasts a week. Where sounds crazy. the time for that shit? You know, it sounds crazy. <laughs> You are in their rotation as drink champs. Right. When they don't see you for about a month, they replace you sometimes with gotcha. somebody else right. because they're like, yo, I haven't know what's going on. Or sometimes they hold on like a bad relationship where we hold on. Yeah, like, yeah. Yo, hopefully they're going to come back. Yeah. Great thing about drink champs is, 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 you know, 
you, you could come back with a monster guest or a monster right. episode, and it's like in the back of or some that, antic that yeah, that comes, yeah that, that comes back. Yeah. But consistency, not that you don't notice consistency. And I tell this to people: it's not fucking easy. I'm right. not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm just talking with you. I'm not blaming like, no, no, you in general. Consistency, it's not easy. I want I, I want to explain to to people who are listening too, so they understand yeah. this. Because I know you're saying they're irate with you, so let me fucking explain to them, <laughs> okay? I'm not making excuses for, say, like, you know, uh, um, the consistency not being there. I'm saying how hard it is to podcast. Meaning a lot of us make it look easy. Okay. I'll give you an example. Today, and this is is a a shout for you. Today, um, I'm going to Japan on Thursday, right? Um, First time, right? So I'm, I'm extremely excited, right? So I usually tape... During the week, Wednesdays, Thursdays, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay hit me. Um, um, you man, Jay, right? Uh, um, yeah. And my man Stash had hit me, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll do two episodes before I leave. Okay. Crazy thing is, my lady is on vacation. It's just me with my son. So he go. He's not in school. I had to switch his school day around, right? So to make it for Tuesday, right? Wait, hold up, right? I live far, so I have to make sure that the studio is available, right? Then I have to make sure my... Now, he's not going to school, so I switched to stage room because he's going to go to school tomorrow. Hmm. Got to call moms. Moms, you available to like, you know, 12 o'clock to like 9, you know, where you can watch, you know. Yeah, yeah, no problem. But all that needs to happen. What most people would do is just give up. Like, fuck it, yo, 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 I'm not going to be able to... We're doing another time. The point I'm trying to make is even though it's only once a week, right? Because that's what, you know, most mm-hmm. podcasts are. Yeah. It's not as easy as people think it is. It's not as easy to, you know, to maneuver and you got to be there. Maybe your kid's sick, right? And you have to operate too, right? Nori and you have to turn on automatically, right. even though maybe you fought with your lady. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe your kid is has got a strep throat. <laughs> no, no, I'm just being it's, honest. No, it's just so real. It's at real the end shit. of the day, people are like, yo, I don't yeah. give a fuck, man. Yeah. Drop that motherfucking episode. Like if you're mining it, imagine how fucked up that podcast is gonna be. Yeah. It's hard to get get on. It's 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 not easy week in, week out. So yeah. I give you guys a lot of credit for you know, and at the end of the day, you know, he's come back back in action and, and, and it's, it's it is funny though, because I feel like I feel like it's you know what's crazy to me? Again, one I've seen Combat Jackson, one I've seen, uh, uh, you know, stop doing it, but supposedly now they're coming back, mm-hmm. I think. Combat Jackson, rest in peace uh, to Reggie. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of history made there. Yeah. Um, and then you guys, and then, and then Joe Budden and Rap Radar, but you think about it, like, you think about it, and again, we, you know, we welcome everybody. Everybody should podcast. You know, I produce a lot of podcasts. I love, I love, I love seeing podcasts. There's people like, yo, you will make a great podcast. Right. Um, but it's like, there's so much. There's so many podcasts out now. When you think about it, it, it even though there's space for everybody, but it makes it where people have other uh, uh, avenues to go to to listen. Right. You know. So it's like if you take a, uh, you know, take a take a little thing. You know, maybe. You know what I mean? It's like it's not as easy as it was. Like when you just came out, you guys were riding a wave. Yeah. And now and we weren't a TV show. That's another component that people yeah. have to understand. We're also being produced as a television show. Yeah, yeah. Which, on Revolt. Which adds a whole other level of complication to to how we put out the show. Yeah. You know, because there's, there's the podcast version and then there's the television version. And those two have to meet in a happy medium in terms of production. If not, then it's just the podcast version. And, and Revolt is still a partner? 
Yeah, they're still a partner. Fuck. But we we no, I give credit to Revolt. Um, it yeah. must got to be online because I don't I never watched uh uh TV since. I always uh, I've always watched videos online like right. the YouTube. Yeah. But I'm sure that's big enough for them as far as TV, no? Uh, yeah, I mean they say that, that it's one of the top rated shows on on the network, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely I don't know if we were talking already. I think we were we weren't talking it on the on the on the podcast, but my other series was one of the first things picked up uh, on Revolt. Before Drink Champs. Before, what was before. the name of it? Coming Home. Yeah. Yeah, it's a documentary. And that's a documentary that you created. Documentary series, and that was my first one, and, and they picked up, they licensed three or four, four of them, actually. Um, and this is before Drink Champs. Yeah, three of them definitely before Drink Champs. And um, and so, I mean, they've just, they, you know, I, I can't be mad at Revolt and the people there. Definitely, you know putting their money where their mouth is and investing in, in, in things in the culture that they think. Hey, listen, man, it's about relationships, man. Relationships that, uh, you know, like... Well, absolutely everything is relationships. No, no, and you yeah. prosper them. Yeah. They've seen that they've done some stuff with you, you know. Listen, you know what? Let's take a quick break. Fuck, man, we went this long and didn't even take a fucking break. Uh, Internets, sitting here with DJ EFN, not FN. okay? <laughs> when you see him, don't call him fucking FN. okay? And you got me over here on the first half of this fucking episode... Over here, like teach, like like fuck, like a college podcast professor to a EFN, but I'm only showing love. Internet's will be right back. Cheer. This is Scott Storch, and you're now listening to the Premium Pete Show. Internet's, I already told you that this episode was sponsored by the good folks at Bevel. People who've been messing with you know Combat Jack, because let me tell you something, Combat Jack really embodied Bevel. Okay, he 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 poured his heart and soul to it. Shouts to Tristan Walker, Bevel Products. You know, available in Target. I remember going to Target and seeing them all sold out. Amazon, they're on now. Okay, and you could also go and save 15% on any Bevel grooming products. You go to getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Let me tell you something, okay? For people listening who don't know what Bevel is, I'm going to put you on. Bevel is, 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 is an amazing grooming product. They have everything from the razor to the lotion to the trimmer to everything. It is the first and only end-to-end shaving system designed for a consistently smooth, irritation-free shave. Listen. If you're looking for a gift for your friend, your brother, your cousin, or whatever it is, your significant other, your next-door neighbor, I already told you. Make sure you go to getbevel.com forward slash Pete. You'll save some money, and you support the show. I appreciate y'all. Now let's get back to the episode. Cheer. Internet's and we're back sitting here with DJ EFN. Miami zone, LA zone. <laughs> uh, half Cuban, maybe we're still, well, we're still working. No, no, no. Maybe a time. Maybe a time. <laughs> I'm trying to find. Last name. I'm trying to find a fellow uh, a time. You ever done one of them uh, twenty three and Me things? No, no. What's that? Like the the DNA testing? No, I never did. No, I, I should do it. I did one. It told me I'm freaking. I got more Chinese in me than any. Than, what? Than like. Well, I mean, I have European in terms of Spain and okay, Italy okay. and all of that. That's like sixty percent, and Cuba obviously. But then it had like I don't know, like seventeen percent Chinese. And it, like, found the province in China. And there was always a rumor that my grandma had, like, a Chinese grandfather. But now we know it's true. Okay. <laughs> well, shouts to 23andMe. Yeah. You know, uh, bring it back for a second. When Before you started DJing mixtape, doing, doing the shout-outs, were you working any regular jobs uh, before you decided nah, to? The, the only thing that I did beforehand was, um, so my father, he would, like I said, he would come in and out. And, and when he would come around again, he was always working on something new. And, and he would he had like different businesses that he was trying to develop and do. And I would try to help him sometimes with some of those businesses. But other than that, you know, I had a check cashing store actually with him that I opened with my father. Really? Yeah. But again, our relationship was just 
it just didn't work out. We, you know, it was. Do you still speak to him to today? Or? Yeah, we. I mean, I had my daughter, and I hadn't spoken to him in a while, and or seen him. And then I always said that you know I had my first child. Whenever I have, my you know a child, I want to make sure she knows her grandfather or the per- the kid knows her grandfather. Sure. And so I've used that recently. You know, I have a, a young child, and I've seen him through through him meeting his his granddaughter. But we really don't have much of a relationship still. Is that your first kid? Yeah. Why Why did you wait so long? I wanted to concentrate on what I was doing, man. Yeah. I really I really couldn't see myself. And this kind of goes back to the whole thing of you know. Not my father not being around or whatever. What I didn't want to be an absentee dad, so it's either I'm going to do this 100 percent or be a parent 100 percent. And you know now I'm figuring out the balancing act in that. But I f- I feel now that I'm way more mature enough to to try to deal with that versus before, where I was like I just want to go 100 percent in what I'm doing, and it wouldn't be fair. You know I'm not going to bring a child in, into this world if I'm not ready to to, to be a full on father. You know, it's 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 amazing to think like that. Some people, I don't know, sometimes I meet people that just, I, I talk to all different people. So I'll have people tell me like, yo, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent this month. And I'm like, well, why don't you, well, look, don't go to the street. Try to figure some things out. Uh, call me tomorrow. Call me tomorrow. Okay, call me tomorrow. Yeah, hey, listen, I'm having another kid. What the fuck? Yeah, I you tell know? people condoms work. Yo, Yo, I, I, some of the most struggling people I know Yo, condoms work, have multiple kids. I'm 44 years old. I got a one-year-old. Like, condoms work. Hey, so does pulling out. Pulling out, too. You know, but but it is some of the things that these no, side no, effects like happen. I know, I know, pulling I know. Out. I know, but it's, uh, it, it, I actually admire that, uh, you know, how you uh, pay attention to, uh, you know, being a better father. I say this to a lot of people that... Uh, we we're in a better day and age, you know. Uh, a lot of our fathers, we can't blame them fully. Some of them didn't have a father to oh, look yeah. to as well, you know. I I think I said this on uh, Fatherhood's podcast that you have, um, but um, you know, you think about it, it's like, you know, my father, Italian guy, his father was straight off the boat. His name was Nunzio, like yeah. you know, he drank a lot, he was right. drunk, like he didn't. These people didn't, you know. Grab my father and hug him and tell right. him they love him. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, what do they have to, you know, go off of? You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, I always say there's no book or there's no manual, right? So what do we, you know, like, it's not like, you know, there's like this how to be a parent fucking. Yeah. So it's, you know, I I don't blame, you know, I love my pops, man. He's a great guy. You know, uh, there's a lot of things I felt like some pe- some parents don't do and some do. But the joy of it is you get to do that with your kids. And, and look, and. As much as I'm saying my pops wasn't there, I love him a lot too, even though we don't have that relationship. And I try to really just understand his journey because my dad was uh, a kid that was smuggled out of Cuba through a program called Peter Pan when the revolution happened. And imagine a kid in Cuba, like 13 years old, all of a sudden in Washington State in an orphanage in the middle of the snow. And then at when he became 17, he felt obligated because he thought America saved him. Parents are still in Cuba, and he volunteered to go to Vietnam. And was in the Marines and fought in Quezon, one of the worst places. Why? In one of my films, I go to Vietnam to pay homage to people like my father. And I went to the battlefield where he fought. Wait, so you traveled to Vietnam? Yeah. And then you were telling me, too, uh, you traveled to... I did. Cuba was the first one yep. to follow my roots there. I went to Peru. I went to Haiti. Fuck! I went to Vietnam and to Colombia, and now we're trying to. We're going to go to South Africa. You know, I always think about shit like this. You know, here's a kid. I always use moments to even... Reflect because I reflect myself, and then I think about other people that I sit down with. 
I think of myself, I just told you to go to Japan. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn at the end of right. the day. That's, where, that's how I think about it. We used to go to New York City. That was going on right. vacation. And then I look at somebody that I hear that was growing up in L.A. and then moved to Miami, like, confused, like, you know, yeah. like, you know, trying to fit in to the point of, you know what I mean? If, 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 yeah, it's fact, you know, yeah. uh, Did you ever think, like, you'll be, you know, in fucking no. Cuba, Not back to Vietnam? Man, that's crazy when you think about it. I mean, Vietnam was intense, man, because the one thing I had that replaced my father's, like, I don't know, just to feel like I had him around me was the, I, you know, every, you know how we grow up as kids, a lot of boys with G.I. Joe, whatever, whatever. So I was all up on the, the fact that my dad fought in Vietnam. He's a U.S. Marine, and, you know, I played with G.I. Joe. So I grew up obsessed with the Vietnam War, watching all the Vietnam movies, listening to the music from the era and documentaries and all of that, I was totally obsessed, and he gave me all his stuff, like his uniform, his boots, his bayonet, his purple hearts, because he wanted no part in it. And he just gave it to me one time, and I'm and I cherish that stuff. Sure. So to me, that was a something I needed to do was a part of my journey. Like I went to Cuba to follow my roots. Vietnam was a part of that for me, and I needed to travel to Quezon, which if anybody that knows anything about the Vietnam War, it was a, an area where the Marines, a lot of Marines were at closest to the north Vietnamese and there was a big battle area like a lot of vicious battles were fought there and it's high it's deep in the mountains and it's really remote and I made the trek there took like four hours driving there from a city that we flew into and it was it, it was worth everything man to be there and it was it was so surreal to to be on that ground and stuff and and I can't even explain it. I mean, we show it in the film. Now you're working. Are these coming out now? Like you know, like yeah, I have. The what's first, going on with the, the first four? I mean, they were all aired on Revolt TV. The the first four, uh, Cuba, Haiti, Peru, Vietnam. They're on um, YouTube now. Uh, Which on our site, crazyhood.com. So cra- and the uh, YouTube channel is Crazy Hood. It's who's crazy? Is who's the, crazy? Is the, okay, is a YouTube channel, but you crazyhood.com and you can find them there and and you can see the full films. And then we have the Columbia. Uh, one episode that we just did the film festival circuit and we've been featured we, d- we did the Miami Film Festival and a couple other cool film festivals and then now we're filming South Africa we haven't released Colombia yet because I'm just I'm trying to figure out a new business model for these and I'm talking to different partners and and, and brands and stuff and I'm trying to get creative with how I do these and release them because I've been doing them independently and so yeah I just I, it's a passion project but I really I, I want to I just feel like the way that I'm doing them, no one's doing it. No one's approaching the subject sure. matter this way. And at the end of the day, it's all—it's really a hip hop. It's—it's—it's it's, it's part hip hop. I look at it like Anthony Bourdain. Like a lot of people use his name, rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain. But I feel like what he did is he took something that his life passion was, which is food, and then he married it with travel, and then he he used food as the conduit to a, con- a bigger conversation. So I'm trying to do that with hip hop. Like I'm using hip hop, which I think is a universal thing. And it's a universal language. It's helping me get in, you know, open these doors that normally most travelers couldn't open. Sure. And then now I'm learning about this other country and culture through our common culture of hip hop. And mm. that's what these films are about. Do you still DJ? At home. <laughs> I, I I really lost a lot of the passion. I mean, I might start doing some things, you know, obviously through Drink Champs, a lot of people have been trying sure. to get me to do stuff. Sure. But I just feel like the DJ culture that I come from, whether it's, the mixtapes, or even just DJing in the clubs. I used to do a lot of pirate radio. It's just the DJ culture is not what it was, and I, I just kind of lost some passion for it. Now, what about um, 
so Drink Champs is coming back with a big uh, announcement soon. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna have new partners, which means a new schedule. You know, more weekly. It's gonna be weekly. Yeah, weekly. I mean, the only reason we've been pretty consistent for the most part. If you look at, we have a hundred and sixty something episodes. So in the span of 160 episodes in three years, that's not too bad. Yeah, It's just what happens is, is life, like you said. And sometimes we've had different business dealings going on behind the scene that have interrupted. Or Nori is filming. His, he's got his own show. He's got a food show. You know, how's that doing? Was that Nori he's, on the run? Yeah, he's about. I think he's about to start filming his second season. The best uh, one I've seen is that dude, that big dude uh, who jumped in the uh, water at. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sonny, that's my boy. Yeah, 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 he jumped in the water Sonny uh, in, in, after eating a hot sauce. Yeah, yeah, that shit had me dying. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I think Charlemagne isn't he like executive he's a part producer? Of it. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's involved in it. Yeah, or so. his company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, so you know, sometimes he's doing something, or he's recording, or he's on tour, and and or I'm doing something, and we just you know we we take a break, or there's business, but for the most part, we're pretty consistent. But it's gonna this new these these new deals and new announcements are are gonna definitely make it more of a, a consistent. Yeah. where people don't, it's gonna yeah it has to be consistent <laughs> after all these years has the music business jaded you yeah yeah so you love music i love you music make, i make, hate the music business yeah, yeah i don't like i don't like the ego in the business i don't like i call it industry talk i don't like the bullshit you know i don't know man i don't like the pageantry I just don't give a fuck about none of that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, give me just make me feel how I felt when I used to go to the park jams, sure. you know, and, and I would see the DJs doing their thing, the MCs doing their thing. You know, I get it. And I'm happy that hip hop is making money. You know, I'm not about against the evolution of 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 the of people making money. It's just all the other bullshit byproduct that I just don't like. Yeah. When I remember off air you were telling Big Pun came to Miami. I mean, I didn't. I didn't interact with him. It was what you never was met Big Pun. No, no, I did. I got yeah. one of the first drops in those How Can I Be Downs with Big Pun, um, and I, I and I'm not gonna lie. Like when Pun and Joe and all them would come to Miami, because Fat Joe would come to Miami often. Um, they got close to Khaled, and you know, Khaled and, and me were all like from the same era in Miami. Sure. So I was like, damn, they, they, the Latinos got with the the Arab dude. What the fuck just happened? You know, like, <laughs> You know, I was kind of like, I'm not gonna lie, I was like a little like, damn, bummed out. But uh, so, but yeah, they used to come all the time, man. But but his sister had had a, I mean, I think she still lives in the area where I would have I had my store, and they would come by the store and stuff. But I would hear stories that part of the reason, you know, part of the time that he gained a lot of his weight was him vacationing in Miami, yeah, yeah. visiting his family and stuff, eating good, yeah, yeah. You know, when it's all said and done, you know, how, how do you want DJ EFN to be remembered? Um, I definitely want to people in Miami to say that I really, you know, repped for the city because that was my first intention to rep for Miami. And then in general, you know, just just someone that tried to do good by the culture and and, and like, you know, just paved his own lane and kind of like taught other people along the way. Sure. That's pretty simple. Sure. I think, uh, you know, you're one of the good guys. Sometimes people don't want to give enough credit to the good guys. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they they want you to they they want you to go smack somebody to fucking which it happens sometimes. <laughs> I'm just saying, just because we're nice people doesn't no, mean we no, don't I'm have not to smack. Saying, no, no, I'm saying that's what the, I mean. Like, look, the name of my company is Crazy Hood Productions. My 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 nickname, you know, my everything IG is Who's Crazy. It didn't come from nowhere, you know. But we gotta like, grow the fuck like, up, you know. I gotta, I gotta get that sound bite. It's like it happens sometimes. <laughs> you know, I, I roll with a bunch of crazy Caribbeans. We're sure, all Cubans, sure, Haitians, sure. Jamaicans. 
Shit happens, you fucking know. Fucking Pontano fucking power on deck, yeah. okay? But sometimes you realize Don't fuck that, around, internet. <laughs> that, you know, you don't have to muscle up all the time, man. You can get more shit done. No, no, no. I, I, I admire that. You know, I admire that. I think there's, uh, you know, sometimes people, again, like I said, in, in, in this crazy world we live in, people want them, you know, you to be who they picture to be. Right. Don't work like that, you know? And, 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 and I always, you know, I always champion, like, I'll, I'll never understand, like, we could focus on somebody giving shoes to homeless people and it get eh and then somebody smacking somebody's like fucking goes viral. Right. I hope one day we can change somewhat of the narrative on that. You know what I mean? That's um, what we're doing right here. Yeah. Yeah, not for sure, for sure. And even the fatherhoods, you know what I mean? Thank you. And 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 you know, there's a lot of things doing. Anyway, listen, uh on on Instagram, who's uh crazy? Who's crazy? Who's right? crazy? Yeah. Um, website crazyhoods.com. Crazyhood.com. Fatherhoods podcast uh, Fatherhoods pod. Were you uh yeah. Um, Kether and, Kether and, and Manny Digital. Manny Digital. Yep. Uh, Drink Champs is back. Now, the documentaries we said they're coming. Coming home, and you could find those at crazyhood.com forward slash film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you could check those out on YouTube at, at, at Who's Crazy on YouTube as well. And what else? Anything else? I mean, that sounds like a lot I mean, on the it's plate. A lot, man. I mean, nah, you know, just any. I mean, I could put on any hat. So if you, you got an idea, come to me. I mean, we okay. got Smoke Champs coming. Really? Well, we'll get into that some other okay, time. Okay, no doubt. <laughs> um, Last thing, I come to Miami. Yeah. Where are you taking me to eat? Where's the go-to spot? To eat? Yeah, in Miami. Um, I want you to have some good Cuban food. Okay. So I'd take you to Little Havana somewhere or just some, there's a bunch, I mean, there's a million Cuban Sure, spots. sure. But I want to take you to a good authentic one so you could say you had good Cuban food in Miami, not a South Beach. And what would that be trap. when you say Cuban food? I mean, just like a mom and pop spot. You know, uh, Islas Canarias is, is in it, in Bird Road, I take no, you No, what would the food be? Oh, black beans and white rice, uh, you know, uh, uh, chicken creole. I mean, there's just plantains, you know, mm. that type of stuff. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff you could eat. It's making me hungry. It's Caribbean food. Internet. Good Haitian food, too, out there. Really? Too, uh, yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. sock passe, you know. Uh, Internet, DJ EFN. Again, I told you, do not call him not DJ EFN. Not EFN. Okay? Unless you want to, and, 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 and you know what? Don't call my mother effing either, okay? Because he's not it. It's DJ EFN, one half of the Drink Champs, uh, producer, mixtape extraordinaire, uh, just really a creative, really a creative all these years, man. Uh, and and, and uh, shouts to you, man. You're a good brother, so I definitely appreciate supporting you. No, thank you for having me, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Internets. See you next episode. Cheer. Internets, if you enjoyed that episode, then hit me up. That's right. Email me. At the premium show at gmail.com. Again, that's the premium show at gmail.com. If you're an advertiser, any big company, small company, startup, whatever it is, you want to advertise on the premium peep show, hit me up. Email the premium show at gmail.com and we'll, we'll get to working, okay? And if you have a suggestion or you want to hear a certain guest on the show, whatever it is, okay? You know, you could at premium Pete. At Premium Pete on Twitter or Instagram, or for the last time I'll tell you, well, I'm not gonna, it's not the last time. Email me, the Premium Pete Show at gmail.com, and let's get to working. Cheer.